Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? John, John, I'm so behind. Oh, I um, I uh, about three days ago, I got a pair of pants at a thrift store, and um, they were called Adriano or Adriano Goldschmied, hmm. and I had never heard the name Adriano Goldschmied, oh, and I thought, I thought. That's a pretty cool name. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, you know, and the pants were like $3 or something. So I was like, yeah, you know, that's that cool. I'll get them. Looks kind of upscale. Well, I, so I did that thing where I was like, I got to I gotta figure out what Adriano Goldschmidt is. And, and normally, if, before I buy something like that, I look it up right there. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh, that's smart. And so... Because you, so ha- you don't want to rep the wrong thing. No, you don't want to get so you don't want to get something that looks fancy that's fake fancy, and you don't want to get something that is like, oh, I'm just going to wear these around the house. It turns you, out when it's you fancy. name your company and your product, I think there's very few uh, even customs or laws that concern that. I think you can name it whatever you want. Yeah, you could so name it. You could say fanciest John, John fancy butt. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Yeah, and I don't want that. AG, but, it's AG Adriano Goldschmied Inc. Right, but I. So I, I had him in my arms at the thrift store, and I was like Adriano Goldschmied, Adriano Goldschmied, mm. uh, because I wanted to look it up. But I was, you know, I I was like, I'll do that in a second because I was halfway through searching for a rack or something, and then. I went over to the thing and I, I was wandering around the store and then I was like, what was I going to do? Oh, right. Adriano Gold. And I looked at the pants again to remember the name. Adriano, Adriano Goldschmidt. Adriano Goldschmidt. And then for whatever reason, something else happened. So the person said something to me. Anyway, I bought the pants having not looked up Adriano Goldschmidt. But mm-hmm. as I was walking out of the store, I was like, oh, right. I want to look up what these are. They're three bucks, you know. Jeez. So I were, looked they, were they dungarees? Yeah, they're like black, soft jeans. Okay. Uh, so I looked at it. I looked at it again. Adriano Goldschmidt, right? I'll, you know, as soon as I get to my truck, I'm going to sit there and look it up before I, you know, while the truck's warming up. Mm-hmm. Somehow I didn't do that. So when I got home and I was un- unloading the groceries and stuff, and I and I get the little thrift store package, and I'm like, oh right, 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 right. And I look at the pants, Adriano Goldschmidt, right? As soon as I get in the house, I'm going to look it up anyway. For the last three days, I have looked at the jeans and I have memorized the name Adriano Goldschmidt. Adriano Goldschmidt. And I've repeated it to myself like five, six times like a mantra. And then each time it's like the name hypnotizes me or somehow it's like an incantation. Like almost like a, like a spell. Like a spell. And, mm-hmm. and if I say it five times, I will... F- I will forget to look it up. It's like a spell about itself. Oh, it's doing like a, like a mind wipe thing. Yeah. So Adriano Goldschmidt, Adriano Goldschmidt, and then whoop. It's, it's, well, there may be more to it, but it's, it appears that at least one performance characteristic of this incantation is that as soon as you say the words, you forget the words and that you said them. Yeah, right. I have to then remember, oh, right, I was going to look up with those jeans. What were those jeans again? With no, I don't ha- I don't retain Adriano. I don't retain Goldschmidt. I retain nothing, not hmm. even the initials. Hmm. 
So on my way in here to sit down, I was like, oh, right, 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 Adriano Goldschmidt. I mean, I, um, I, I pulled them out of the washing machine to look at the name on them. And then I was like, you know, they're my new jeans. I'll just put them on. And I put them on. I'm wearing them right now. Oh, wow. Uh, like debut. And as I was sitting down at the computer, as you called, I was like, Adriano Goldschmidt. Adriano Goldschmidt. Uh, but I'm I'm already deciding that I don't like them. I'm going to give them back to the thrift store. Oh, what a journey! Well, because I, I you know they're not they're not inexpensive. If you go to your local uh, Nordstrom and you pick these up, you're going to spend you're going to spend some money. The thing is that it, this very 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 rarely happens because usually I only buy things that are that are pretty unworn. You know, you don't want to just go buy somebody else's. Where well, it pays to be picky, uh, and these, as I sat down, they didn't. They don't smell bad. Mm. They don't smell thrift story. Uh, they just smell like somebody else. Oh, I see. I want to sit around in the smell of somebody else. You can't imprint on them. Yeah. Hey, no, John, I don't want. I don't want to take Goldschmied. the time. So anyway, what's the story with Adriano Goldschmidt? Did you look him up? Uh, I looked on the internet science site. Adri- Adriano Goldschmidt is an Italian fashion designer who focuses on denim jeans. He's uh-huh. known as the godfather of denim and is what? the originator of premium denim. He created, D- he created Diesel, Replay, Gap 1969, and A.G. Adriano Goldschmidt, and is currently directing Goldsign and Men's Citizens of Humanity. Goldsign and Citizens... He's kind of a, kind of a, kind of a big wheel. Yeah, this is a this is a pants uh, baller. Okay. That created premium denim. Yeah. Ah, premium yeah. denim. Yeah. Were you were you around for the for the transition to premium denim? No, I mean, I you know I was extant, but uh, it was not. I, I just remember having one of those old man moments where, you know, you hear like, oh, you can buy these jeans now, and they're $400. And I was like, that seems like a lot of money for jeans. That's pretty, pretty much my extent. And I, <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like I'm aware that Diesel is a brand uh, from a time when jeans got costly and uh, presumably fancy. But the funny part is, like, you think about the 80s. I mean, not, not to make this totally an old man thing, but like when... Uh, what they call them designer jeans got popular in the late 70s, kind of associated a little bit with the disco movement. Mm-hmm. You get your very tight, I think you look at uh, you look Gloria at Vanderbilt. Gloria Vanderbilt, uh, Jordash. Jordash. Uh, um, oh, oh, I uh, my home is Seattle, but I live in Britannia. Live, live, live <laughs> in, in Britannia. Also, um, the Jordash look. Oh, yeah, what were some other ones? Um, you got I uh, uh Gloria design. Vanderbilt's were so dark. Oh, uh, the, okay, you got your Calvin Klein's. So Nothing comes between um, oh, me and the, my Calvin. Uh, me and my Calvin's, yeah. That's right. And and so oh. so then so in my head, I you know it's funny. Forty dollars is such an interesting, as they say, price point. Like you notice, four, like today, forty or four, four zero, four zero dollars. Oh. Like if oh. you watch, if you're watching, uh, you're in a hotel room and you got regular TV on, you'll notice how many things that you order off the TV. Regardless of how many you end up getting because of the special offer you call next hundred minutes, uh, is thirty nine ninety five. Uh-huh. At the, and, and now, when I was a youth, uh, two things were forty dollars. Two very important things: a pair of like pretty good Nikes, forty dollars. Forty dollars. A pair of what they then called designer jeans. That's forty dollars. 
Huh. Now, now in my household, both of those that was that made it a, like a Veblen good. Like you've got to be kidding me! Uh-huh. Like you could get these perfectly uh-huh. serviceable J.C. Penney shoes that are blue and orange and have the wrong number of uh, stripes on it. Absolutely, but you get those for maybe eight, eight or ten dollars. Ditto for a pair of Levi's that you pick up at Sears or, or Tough Skins. Right. Yeah. I, now I wouldn't wear <laughs> Tough Skins because you're husky. Not, yeah, I was too husky. Yeah. Uh, and I've never been able to wear uh, any kind of Wranglers or anything like that. Husky. Husky is like the boy version of women. Oh, it's available in women's sizes. <laughs> <laughs> what a horrible code word. Like literally half of the population has their, the name of their clothes is like, you're a little bigger than we'd like. Uh, well, oh, you look I mean, like a 12. Let's go over to women's. To walk, or, to walk around with <laughs> the word husky around your neck was, was really a, uh, a scarlet letter. I know. Uh, but I, uh, the, the, the original run of, of, of fashion jeans in the seventies and early eighties, I didn't, I obviously was too young to really participate in. Cause yeah, like you say, $40 for a pair of pants. That wasn't just your was style. Not, that wasn't, wasn't your style. thing. No. Yeah. But, uh, but the second wave of uh, what, <laughs> what I think here is being described as premium denim. Mm-hmm. I was standing at ground zero mm. of premium denim because my girlfriend at the time worked in the 90s at a store sort of pioneered this this uh this whole concept this thought technology was pioneered in Seattle which was and pioneered by like a specific couple of people which was go out to the Rocky Mountain states mm. Drive around. Oh, yeah. You talked about this. You, yeah. yeah, you mentioned, you did talk about, just so you know, you did talk about this. Your lady friend who would go off on journeys to try and find, uh, this, she decided this would become her business. She could go out and find some trousers that she could sell for way above what she bought them for. Right. That was her jam. And, and so she worked at a storefront here in Seattle. And the whole, and this was later, right? Mm-hmm. A- after it wasn't so easy to just go find jeans lying around. The whole point of the storefront was it was just like walk in the door uh there were four shelves maybe in the store and one of the shelves had a pair of original air jordans mm-hmm. one of the shelves had a pair of original something you know it was like there were four things for sale in the store it was not a store that you went to buy things and she was sitting behind the counter looking at a magazine and the point is you would walk in there and try and sell her your jeans. Mm-hmm. And and her job was to sit there and look at your jeans. Mm-hmm. Like, not, not the ones on you. Mm-mm. But, like, you'd walk in with an armload of jeans and go, hey, what do you think of these? And then she would sneer at your jeans. <laughs> and then you would walk out of there feeling bad. And sometimes you would argue with her and she would just, like, look at her. She'd go back to reading her That's magazine. like picking a fight with a frat boy. Like, don't don't <laughs> do that. You just can't do she it. She does can't this argue. all day. Yeah. Can't argue with the girl whose sole job it is uh, to mock your jeans. The most important part of her job is what she doesn't buy. Right. And so she would sometimes, somebody would walk in and say, uh, can I sell these jeans from my grandfather's? And she'd be like, yeah, all right. I'll buy those jeans. Yeah, whatever. And give you some amount of money. I don't, I was never like to 100% privy for, to how much. You know, money went back well, and that, forth. That's interesting. But so she if that was. Were, if that were a man, jeans. he would have been bragging about it. Yeah. No, well, she's playing it close to the vest. I don't know. That's this is the thing. That was an era when uh, thrift store pickers. I think I've told you about this. We would mm-hmm. go to thrift stores way, way out in the country, and we'd be walking around, and there'd be five other people in the store, 
and they would all know each other and glare at each other. Mm. And we'd be walking through the aisle and da, 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 and then, you know, somebody would be coming the other way with a shopping cart full of stuff and they would pass her and they'd be like, hi, Megan. Mm-hmm. And she'd go, hi. Mm-hmm. And it was like, wow, we are 80 miles out of Seattle. Like, what are you people? Mm-hmm. And she's just like, oh, my God, that person is just the worst. They run a little store somewhere in there. You know, was you there, could just was there a grudging level of respect to it, though? Or was oh, it really absolutely. Doggy it was just dog? like, it was. You might be a little envious that somebody somebody got, got to those trousers first. Some of that, but they all were very detailed about what they bought and what they liked and what their thing was, mm. right? So Megan would walk through and just, she'd pick stuff out and be like, oh, yeah, this is worth $90, but ugh, gross. <laughs> and put it right. back and I was like, huh. And I never got into it, right? I did not that whole resale of things I just didn't have any interest in. If it wasn't my size and if I wasn't gonna wear it personally, I had no That's I a nice not... lifestyle job though, because I think about my daughter who loves all these different brands of little crappy tiny plastic toys. Mm-hmm. And each one when you get these crappy toys, there's very, many, many varieties of these. But they each come with like a sheet. Sort of like when you get tops baseball cards and it would show you like which which sometimes you'd get a card in there that's a meta card of what cards to collect. And right. it says, oh, oh, this particular uh, little lip balm cover that looks like a hat is a is like a, a pretty normal one. This one's still like a super rare. Uh-huh. And I was like, well, you seem to get a super rare every time we buy these. Are you sure that that's that super rare? But that, that tickles your bone. Like, you know, yeah. you want to get the right Pokemons and whatnot. And like, you can find a way to turn those uh, other people's pants into a business. If you if you buy a Tootsie Roll with or a Tootsie Roll Pop with yes. an Indian on it shooting an arrow at a star, you get a free one. Or I've heard that or something like a dum dum. Is it a dum dum? Uh, uh, no, a Tootsie Roll Pop. Tootsie Roll Pop. Huh. All right. Uh, uh, I I used to collect those wrappers because they had because uh, you'd find the one with the Indian with the star on them. They weren't that rare, and I never traded one in for a free one. But they used to but, also tell you you could save your fingernail uh, clippings and sell them to Estee Lauder. Do you remember that? I do not remember that. Mm-hmm. And that I is the whole not. thing with saving the top from a pop top. Like the, that's like super aluminum or something. You get extra money for super aluminum. <laughs> they do this at our school. Like our school. Our, uh, God, God, God bless the hardworking people at our school. And, and the people who dozens of years ago came up with these really terrible ideas for raising money. And continue, they continue to do them today. And one of them is you bring in, oh, you bring in your, your label tops from cereal. And we'll make like half... <laughs> Half a penny off a hundred of those. So hold this garbage at your house until you bring it to our house. You know what you could do? You bring the super aluminum from the top of your pop top. So we trade those in. Oh boy, pretty soon every kid's going to have a computer. Super aluminum. Well, so the thing about Megan was that she, she and her. I feel like I met her. Oh well. No. Who was the delightful raven hair girl you were with for a while? That's not her. She was raven-haired. Mm-hmm. Did we go out to dinner one time? It's a different. I feel like that's her name. I shouldn't uh, say. Never met the redhead. Her. Never met the redhead. <laughs> Never met her. She's just she's she's just a mythical character. She's just in the pantheon for me. Completely mythical. Doctor yeah, Kelly, I, I still think about it uh, um, every time I go to a drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Did I tell you? I told you I tried to get my daughter on that, and she wouldn't. She didn't bite, huh? Well, because the the way the story goes, and John Syracuse reminds me that I'm remembering this story wrong. But your story is who is it? Is your is your good buddy from Alaska, right? Uh, well, it was it was. Um... Tell tell the story again because it's been a long time. I refer to it a lot, and it'll help me tell this. We'll come back. We'll come back to the pants in a minute. But tell tell me tell me the story. Was it Mike? I want to say no, 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 Eric. Eric. Okay. And and so, and John of Syracuse remembers this story you told as being like, it was an important, like end of high school, end of an era kind of thing. And you guys were parting ways and he had a, he had a message for you. 
How do you remember it? I just remember it as your friend who in my head, I know it's not Mike Squires, but it feels like a very Mike Squires thing to do. In my yeah. head, the story is you and your you and your buddy are out. Your buddy goes to a drinking fountain and gets a drink of water. And then he says to you from now on for the rest of your life, every time you take a drink from a water fountain, I want you to think of me. That's the way I remember it. That 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 is how it happened, but it's um, and and but, and the the rub is you told me that story, and now in my broken brain, every time I drink from a water fountain, which is not that often, but now which makes it even more uh, acute, is every time I take a drink of water from a water fountain, I think of you remembering your friend <laughs> whom I've never met. So that's on me now. So the <clears throat> the story was, um, Eric Spurlock. Okay. Was a guy who moved to Alaska with his uh, his parents um, after he was already a teenager. They they lived they lived back east in upstate New York in like Geneseo, New York, and they moved to Alaska because Eric's dad's brother lived up there already or whatever. And Eric's um, Eric's cousin was uh, a guy named. Um, John, oh, what the hell was his last name? John was like the year ahead of me. Okay. And John was the funny guy in school. Hmm. The guy that, oh, oh, fuck his name. I just, it just passed. God, that's so frustrating. John was, was Adriano Goldschmidt. Uh, Goldschmidt. John was one year older than me and he was the funny guy in the senior class when I was a junior. The funny guy in the Not sophomore class the when I was a freshman. Not just the self class clown and cut up. He legit made people laugh. He was the funny guy. And okay. he had, he had a pockmarked face. Like he was never going to be mm. uh, one of the handsome guys. Mm. And he was just, v- he was just viciously funny and, 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 and awful, right? I mean, he was, he was scary. He was a he was uh, he was a bully. Sounds like a I mean. role model for you. Well, I, <laughs> he's, he's fast. He's fast at knowing where to go. Right. He was super fast. And the thing is that you know, despite because in Alaska it's kind of cut cutthroat a little bit, and no, oh John Gerald, John Gerald, N- nobody could get John Gerald. Uh, nobody backed John Gerald in a, into a corner, mm-hmm, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you couldn't you couldn't um, you couldn't like rich clothes shame him. You couldn't. Like a classic, long... a classic. Maybe uh, not. Not to say that he's an unattractive man, but like the the kid in my case felt a little bullied sometimes. That's where the humor comes from. It comes from this deflection and being able. That becomes your strength. Yes, yeah, your humor. Absolutely, and that was how I felt. Right, <clears throat> I was chubby, and I was I was like well, Sears, uni- Sears, Sears would call you husky. Husky. Mm-hmm. I was universally considered a dork. You know, I was <laughs> I was a year younger than everybody else. Uh, because my parents put me in kindergarten when I was four. Ugh. And so I was just a dork. I couldn't grow a mustache. I didn't. I was just sort of like, ugh. <laughs> I yeah. really was. And, and, watching, and you look like a scallop. I just looked like a scallop. I was so unfinished. <laughs> and my mom kept cutting my hair until I absolutely, until I pushed her hand away one time. Like, no more. I want a haircut. <laughs> and she wouldn't buy cool clothes, you uh-huh. know, and all this I'm stuff. On principle. On principle. Yeah. I went to school just in these. No, like, nothing's oh. worse than a principled Ohioan. She was so principled. Ugh. And so watching John Gerald just be like, just like whoosh, on people. I really did uh, admire him, but I also was terrified of him. And he never gave me any praise or acknowledgement. He was always, he saw me as a withholding. 
He was. And he saw me not as a, even a comer, but just like, uh, you know, right. get away from me, scallop. Like the last thing I need is a bunch of fanboys. Mm. And I was like, a bunch of fanboys? I'm your only fanboy. Yeah. He was just like, Ugh. and everything I, you know, I wanted to do, he, he kind of did before me. Like he wanted to be a, a DJ, a radio DJ, and that's what I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Um, he got a job at a radio station his junior year. Okay, it's a, coming back to me, yeah. You know, as a sophomore, I was just like, John Gerald's working at a radio station? Like, he might as well be president. Uh-huh. And then one time, right? The one radio time was like I, our president. It was our president. Mm-hmm. One time, John Gerald, I remember the day, I, I absolutely remember the moment and where I was standing in the high school where I where it was a group of people standing around. He was a senior by then. I was a junior, which is when I really kind of came into my world. And I said something to a group of people and John turned and he was like, ha, that was, that was pretty good. And I was just like, the crown has passed. Mm -hmm. Boom. But anyway, Spurlock was John Gerald's cousin and he was my age and he kind of looked like John, but even kind of more dorky. John had a pockmarked face, but not, uh, but he wasn't unhandsome. Mm -hmm. Eric was just sort of like me, kind of unformed, a guy that was going to be a, an attractive man, but not a very attractive teen. That's how it works. Eric was also very funny, but he was coming from outside. He was coming from New York, and he really strongly, strongly felt that Alaska was something he didn't, he couldn't penetrate. Like he just was never going to be Alaskan. And he felt it really acutely, right? You could just feel that he was the insecurity of not understanding what all the rules were and not getting the inside, you know, not comprehending it. Uh, but he's super funny, and he became a, a a very close member of our of our group. But he never accepted entirely how close he was to us. We all thought he was uh, integral, and he always couldn't let that be. He, uh, he always felt outside. And at the end of high school, we were, we were all kind of at that point in time, like, yeah, sure. Going off to college, but Alaska was all we knew. And we, we all assumed we would go to college and then come back to Alaska. That was, that was the whole universe. I don't think it occurred to any one of us that we would ever live outside of Alaska. We were going off to college. Yeah. But we were coming back. And we're Yeah, whatever and, whatever big plans you've got for the long long future, they end up you know, very much um not nearly as important as like what that next thing is. Like the yeah. college thing is a big thing. That's a big Go, step. Going to college, but then at Christmas time we'll be back here to compare notes. Mm-hmm. And then you know what we're going to do? We're going to graduate, we're going to be in college cotillion. Mm-hmm. Uh not high school cotillion. The MOC yeah. And so Jim McNeil, who uh, was from Arkansas, but Jim always felt very much part of Alaska because Jim McNeil didn't have insecurity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jim, Jim even spoke with a southern accent, but in Alaska, that's just an advantage. He, was from, he had an Arkansas accent, thick one, but he was just like, I'm, I'm from Alaska. What are you talking about? And Eric and I were walking in the Sears Mall, and we stopped to go to the bathroom, and there was a drinking fountain, and we stopped to get a drink of water. And Eric had... Just a few minutes before, had this great reveal. This he dropped this bomb, which was, "We're moving. My folks are leaving Alaska." Oh my! They'd only been there for three years, and the th- and and this what is, they, this is how you tell me? Is he tell me at the mall? Is, 
This is how you tell me, right? Mm. And his father bought the his father came up to Alaska. He to I guess start over. I don't know why you would do this. Um but he came up and bought a bakery. Hmm. Uh and the bakery was for sale because it had formerly been owned by Robert Hansen, who was the Alaska baker who would um who oh. would kidnap prostitutes, put them in his airplane, take them up to his take them up to wilderness locations, set them free and then hunt them. Mm. Uh, there's a, there's a movie made about him, Robert yeah, Hansen. Yeah. It's Robert a terrible Hansen. movie. Butcher Baker. Uh, right. But he would like, uh, he would, yeah, he would like he, the greatest game or whatever, like set them loose and, <laughs> most and dangerous game. most dangerous game. Right. Um, and so Hansen had just been caught, mm-hmm. uh, like that year. And all of a sudden his bakery was like <sighs> for sale. Oh no, you're going to want to burn a lot of sage in that place. And Eric uh, Spurlock's dad came up and bought the bakery. So all of a sudden, we're like... Do they have to disclose something like that? Is that something where they've got to let you know? I think so. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I think there was a lot of like, huh, why is that bakery so cheap? Yeah. And 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 my understanding of the story is that he did not use the bakery as a uh, as part of his thing. It was just, just like for where work. He, that mm-hmm. was where he went to work. Mm-hmm. But you know, one of those things that a lot of people didn't have in high school, but I did, was a friend whose dad owned a bakery. So we were like... We could, as we were driving around town, it was like, oh, let's let's uh, swing into uh, Spurlock's Bakery, we go in there and get some bake bakery mm-hmm. things. Pretty pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So Eric says, yeah, we're moving, and and my reaction was like, well, you can't move. Like, you made it. You made it all the way through high school. You made it. You're in Alaska, and like, what do you mean you're moving? And he was like, yeah, we're going back to New York. And then he drops this. We're sta- I'm, I'm drinking water, and he like standing behind me, and he goes, "Every time you see that that uh, the writing on the drain at the bottom of the water fountain, <laughs> I want you to think of me." Oh man! I was like, I hate how effective that is. Wow, wow! And you know, of course, there it is. It lives in infamy. It's so it's so good because if if you're doing it to somebody who's really suggestible, like I am. It's really good because it's it's also one of those things where how are you going to like prevent that? If, it's, if it does start to drive you crazy and you can't unthink the thought, like what are you going to do? Because the whole point of a, a thing like that is it doesn't happen often enough that you'd like get used to it and, you know, be able to kind of write it off. It's like, ugh, it would be like, like from now on, every time you see a urinal cake, I want you to think of me. Like you wouldn't yeah. even like you wouldn't even see it coming. How do you reprogram yourself from something like I that? I don't know, right. but I need to find out because I'm very vulnerable. Well, and it... it you're absolutely right. Like you don't see it is. It isn't you, like saying every time you drink water, right? That would be just that would be too much, and that would it but, wouldn't work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like gambling, paying off periodically. Like the way it would really get in your brain is, oh god. See, now I'm going to think about urinals. Now, now I'm going to think about this episode. Every time I see a urinal cake, you don't see if as many you, urinal cakes as you used to. If you worked in an office where there was a urinal cake in the urinal, yeah. Uh, nothing like that could, could work because you'd use it three times a day and you'd see the urinal cake. Like you're saying, it wouldn't, it wouldn't stick, but you'd somebody wear, yeah, like, you'd wear it out. Somebody like you or me where, where it, the number of times we use a public urinal is somewhat limited. And then, mm, yeah. like you say, there aren't urinal cakes anymore for those listeners who have, who don't know what a urinal cake is. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there are those. Well, people. if you know baked goods, you know about, uh, Hanson's bakery. 
You know about it. Uh, you know what a cake in is. Anchorage. Um, uh, yeah, so this is a thing where uh, you get this. I don't know what it's made of, but it's, it, it's almost like a bar of soap. Yeah, kind of wax, waxy, thing. foamy, often pink, and it sits at the bottom of the urinal. And I think its purpose is to make it smell less like urine. And then people urinate on it, and ironically enough, I think that releases some of the urine cake's powers. And the smell of a urine cake is distinctive, so and it's mm-hmm. not pleasant. So that you, it's what sweet, it does is very it, sweet. Yeah, it replaces the smell of urine with this this other smell. Yeah, which, I mean, which that's isn't the better. idea. Yeah, but I think part of the urine cake. Have you have you been to uh, 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 like men's rooms in Europe recently? Uh, no, no. Well, European. I've never been on the continent. No, never been on the continent. Mm-mm, I've been to uh, I've been to England. That's it. England. Well, and and they I'm not sure they have them there, but in I think they in, all sit down there. Oh, uh, I, I think they I think, have I urinals. Think, yeah, I think the UK the that's an entire like island of sitters. But they don't. I I don't think they use. But they might. But mm. there's a the the universal universally popular urinal manufacturers in Europe have <clears throat> now put in their urinals a little. Painting, mm-hmm. like they put a fly in there or something of a, of a fly or a bee or a a little thing to aim at mm-hmm. that's that's never centered. It's always to the side mm-hmm. in a it's spot physics, that physics, 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 yeah, in a spot that will reduce splatter. Mm-hmm. And if you stand there and pee on the bee or pee on the fly, mm-hmm. uh, it will. It, it's like I, I have to assume a maximum efficiency of the of the urinal. Yeah, and I have found it impossible to not pee on the fly. You would have oh, to be. You would have to be such. An iconoclast. You would. He would have to be. You would so... have to make a point of saying, "I am currently not peeing on a fly," because that's the thing that I'm doing. You would have to well, willfully say, because your mind wants to pee on that fly so hard, yes. even though you, you don't get any coupons or anything out of it. But like, it's a sense. It's a sense of achievement. I hit the fly with my pee. The, the thing is, you would have to be stronger than that, because I'm the type of person that would go to a urinal and say, "Like, I'm. I'm not going to pee on the fly." Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the type of thing I would do. Sure, but I can't. I'm powerless against yeah, that fly. I know. I know. Because it's otherwise, it's just a big white emptiness. It's a. It's a. It's a bowl of. It, it's an infinite bowl. I would like more things like that in life. I would like more things where uh, you don't need to necessarily have instructions or tutorial. You don't need to take an extension class. But I would like more. I'm going to call it hinting, more like uh, hinting at like, okay, you know what? This is going to go, well, we put a thing in here. That's not a real fly. You don't have to feel bad. Mm-hmm. We're not being flyest. That's mm-hmm. an image of a fly that you, that like, we're just going to put this here. And we find that people will, will hit it with their pee and you don't get a bank shot. You don't, it's not like going straight up against it, you know, and in a really brightly lit room, one, one may not realize, I don't want to be too graphic here. I think most people don't realize how much splatter there is with pee. Oh, there's, oh, more, there's more splatter than you would imagine, especially if you're wearing khaki pants. And this is a thing that they they solved a problem. Yeah, they probably they probably have solved. They probably saved, uh, let's say, conservatively, a mm-hmm. hundred billion man hours of cleaning bathrooms. Oh, and the, the the shame, you know. But the mm-hmm. thing is, they should do Freakonomics should do like a whole episode on this because you think about this. First of all, less stress. Right, let's just start with the, the beginning. You're not going to get your khaki mm-hmm. pants all covered with splatter. That's good. Right now, right. you're also going to waste more productivity. You, less time spent trying to dab, dab, dab to get pee-pee off of, off of your pants. Also, you know what? Less money spent on laundering. Now, that might have a knock-on effect. 
Mm. for the pee laundering mm. industry. That's good mm-hmm. for everybody. You ready for this one? Less splatter on the floor, less need to overtly send in janitor man to come in mm-hmm. and clean up the splatter. It's right. good for everybody. You put a fly in there. They say art isn't useful. Art's very useful. You put a fly in a urinal. I feel like, well, first of all, in Europe, I feel like the bee is more popular than the fly. Oh. Uh, because the fly conveys dirtiness. Hmm. Right? It's a fly in your bathroom. That's not what you want. Oh, I see. I see. Yep, 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 yep. A yep. fly is gross, but a this bee... This is probably evolutionary psychology on some level. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. On at least a couple ways, don't you think? If you could, if you were out in the world just sort of peeing in the gravel, mm-hmm. and there was an opportunity to pee on a bee... Oh, i pee on anything you, that moves. Wouldn't you do it? Well, I mean, yeah, if there's like a trail try. of ants, I'd follow it along. I mean, uh, I, it's, yes, you've you got to do that. That's just, it's, you know, in your brain. But it gives you that sense of accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Like I've been, I just peed on that bee for a long time. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But but I do feel I I I I hear what you're saying, and I agree. And I'm thinking like, what are the what are the other what are the analogs to this? Like like if you paint lines on a highway, right? That's that's also just. I think turning, it's got to be okay. So game, I'll, give you, right? I'll give you some examples of this. Um, one example that comes up for me several times a year is that I will see an occurrence of a three-digit number that was my laundry number when I was in military school, which meant that every single item that I owned with a Sharpie or with a white laundry marker, every single item that I owned had this three-digit number on it, and it basically equaled me. Like, for practical purposes, it was almost like a serial number. It was was a laundry number, but also meant that if I ever lost anything— it would have that three-digit number on it, and it would return to me because you, know, huh. you would even know what everybody else's number was, huh. right? So now, whenever I see that three-digit number in the wild, of course, the very first thing I think of is that, that hey, that's weird. That's my laundry number. Well, what, what was your laundry number? I don't know. I mean, should I say for OPSEC reasons? It was 207. Uh-huh. I, don't want people, I don't want people trolling me about it. But um, like that, or like my P.O. box in college was 289. And so, you know, I'm just, this is just a random example, but those are the kinds of things where that's just digits. That doesn't mean anything. We imbue these digits. You know, you get a 420 or a 69. Nice. Like, or you get, you know, you got a lucky number, like a, like a 37, right? Mm-hmm. And so then you start noticing that. But I think it, it, it has to be that kind of thing. It can't be, oh, I saw a number. That wouldn't work. It's got to be something that appears somewhat randomly, like unto a water fountain. Right. Uh, a payphone. Right. Uh, the rapidly disappearing payphone. Yeah, the, the uh, payphones are gone now. I, you I still saw, see them. You still I see saw them. one the other day. Nobody's but... having a good day uh, when they're using a payphone. <laughs> and I and that's actually been true for a while. Yeah, even, that's true. That's even true. when they were still kind of thick on Can the you ground. Imagine how dirty those things are. You put that on your face. Well, I mean, we all did it for, did for it. decades did. and decades. Think about that mouthpiece. Think about how many mouths have been right there. Oh, well, just you know, think about. I mean, how. At what age did you stop sucking on quarters? What age did I, I mean, stop people, sucking on quarters? I would say sometime between three and eleven. Yeah, you know? yeah, but still, like <clears throat> sucking on a quarter. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. And my daughter loves like 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 me. I think you've talked about this too. I used to love collecting change and rolling it up and just playing with it and acting like I was a Monopoly man, like running my hands through it. Smell your hands. Smell your oh, hands after you played with money. I know. It's not a nice smell. Oh, it's a something smell. Yeah, it smells it's complicated. like complicated. Uh, it smells like blood. Yeah, that, yeah, no, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, absolutely that right. Bloody smell. Well, you know, they say every hundred dollar bill in America's got cocaine residue on it. That's what they say. Boss gags. Yeah. The, but they um, also say that you, yeah. if you if you collect a, a Tootsie Roll pop with an Indian and shooting a star, it's the show art for this week already. 
Uh-huh. I got it right here. Apparently, it turns out uh, you don't get free Tootsie Pops from it. It's, there's uh, many, but, many Indians shooting stars. And people have gotten tattoos of it is a thing I just learned. Right. And it's mm-hmm. some kind of, I wonder, you know, there's got to be a website that deals with that kind of urban legend. Oh, no, I just found five. Yeah, I checked my sources. <laughs> <clears throat> this is what I, this is why people here clicking, because I'm working on the program while we're doing that. Uh, yeah, other things like that. But I think it needs to be some combination of something very concrete, it can't be as general as, like I say, just the existence of a number or the color blue or something like yeah. that. It yeah. has to be something that you don't have time to think about processing. That once you see it on some kind of like um, sub rosa level, you're you're processing that. You go, oh, that's that thing. And yeah. I'm thinking of Eric now, Eric Spurlock. I I feel like <clears throat> I feel like this is one of the things that um, is going to make it's going to popularize AR. And it's gonna it's going to hmm. facilitate the transition to AR hmm. because what well, I think one of the main 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 first uses and maybe primary uses of AR is going to be to gamify regular life. Mm. Gamify so, regular life. Yeah. So like you know, so everything is going to turn into oh, there's going to be little coins floating above your tasks or coins floating above things in the world. You go to Mario over to there and then you jump left, left, right, contra code. You grab your, you grab your, your, uh, you grab a coin and that goes into your virtual uh, purse. Yes, exactly. Mm. And, and that gamification will be used by companies and, you know, if, it, if they're smart, by governments, but certainly by, by companies <sighs> maybe, and Maybe by you friends. go to get your coffee somewhere and, like, you get uh, half off, 20% off if you agree to watch a 15-second ad. That or it, as you're walking through the mall, companies will pay to have gold coins floating over the front of their store. Mm-hmm. And you never would have gone over to the Gucci store, but you no. go over there and collect and cling, collect your coin. And then you're standing in front of the store, you know, or you have to go inside the store to the store rack to collect. Cling. They do a and, version of that in uh, this, that neighborhood near my house over in West Portal, where once a year, uh, many of the merchants participate in a Where's Waldo uh, tournament. So uh, there's this cutout Waldo. You put the cutout Waldo somewhere in the store, and then you're supposed to go to all the stores and find Waldo. And then you can Aww. turn that in for, I don't know, significant prizes and coins. Yeah, significant prizes. Mm-hmm. But if you think about the, the, the things that we want people to do, right? Attention, want... The attention economy, right? It's not, it's not a simple. Obviously, we already want you to buy stuff. It's why there are ads. Thank you to HelloFresh. Thank you, HelloFresh. <coughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you by HelloFresh. You can learn more about HelloFresh right now by visiting HelloFresh.com. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers your favorite step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. HelloFresh wants to make things very convenient for you, for your schedule and your preferences. You can choose your delivery day for whatever works best for your schedule. You can even pause your account for weeks at a time when you're out of town. So handy. And when your stuff does arrive, oh man, those meal ingredients, they arrive pre-measured in handy labeled meal kits so you know which ingredients go with which recipe. It's all delivered right to your door in recyclable, insulated packaging. HelloFresh offers a wide variety of chef-curated recipes that change weekly. They have three plans to choose from. They've got the classic plan, the veggie plan, and the family plan. The classic, you get a variety of meat, fish, and seasonal produce. The veggie plan, you're going to get vegetarian recipes with plant-based proteins, grains, and seasonal produce. And then you get the family plan. That's where you get quick and easy meals with all the yum-worthy flavor that the whole family will love. 
It's just so simple. You're not going to spend all night in the kitchen because uh, many of these recipes, they, they take around 30 minutes. And there's lots of one-pot recipes for seriously speedy cooking and minimal cleanup. And each week, there's even a 20-minute meal from the classic menu for when you really don't have any more time than that. Now, personally, my family loves the food and the recipes. My lady friend tells me she especially loves how the ingredients are packaged and labeled. It's so idiot-proof. It's like, it's like color-coded. It's like your animals for your food. They're just going to have to run with that. So right now, for $30 off your first week of HelloFresh, visit HelloFresh.com and enter the promo code ROTL30. That's ROTL30. And that's going to get you $30 off your first week. Thank you so much, HelloFresh. Our thanks to HelloFresh for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. Oh, perfect. Thank uh, you. Uh, Thank you. Uh, back to the show. Oh, God, I fucking um, killed it on that one. We already have really something good. called advertising, which is a kind of a gold coin. It's just in this case, the gold coin goes to President Zuckerberg. Yeah, you, you laid it down. Mazel tov. Mazel tov. Wink, 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 Winklevoss. But I'm thinking about the other things that we want people to do, right? Yes. Like like during rush hour traffic. Now, we're talking about a thing. We're talking about a time oh, when there's not oh, going to you know be, zipper, there's not even going to be driving. Zipper merge. We want you to zipper merge. Stop doing that thing where you're going too early or too late. Zipper merge is what it's all about. That's it. Now, we're not going to be driving at that point. It's all going to be a driverless car. Uh, You You might be a futurist because you did it. You took an eternity. You jump. You leapt. You you took two assumptions and two plus two times equals like seven. You just went to a whole other place. Somebody told me the other day that there's actually a master's degree in futurism (laughs) available at the University (laughs) of Hawaii. And they said, why are you not in the master's program at the University of Hawaii? Why are you you even not there? Yeah. And I was like... There's a lot of reasons that I'm not, but you know yeah. what? I am a master's degree. I don't in like future. the food there at the University of Hawaii. Well, just Hawaii in general. It's nothing against the good people of Hawaii. I'm they they really do not want me to be there. I don't. I felt very unwelcome, and I felt like I I should feel very unwelcome there. It's not hmm. a good scene. Uh, but the food, I just I can't I can't get with the food there. I couldn't do a master's program. What's that going to be? Two years, and you got to write a thesis. Got to write a futuristic thesis. Yeah, probably. That's I mean, like I don't you gotta see write why. A little book. You got to live in Hawaii for two years. We're going to feel if very unwelcome. If you're getting unwelcome. a master's degree in futurism, I don't see why you can't do that from your home. You should be able to do that. Should be a cyber university thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? You yeah. should be able to do it from your phone. You should be able to do it on your watch. <laughs> right. But think about how we how people will be controlled by this Spurlockian uh, like sync concept. Oh, uh, by, yeah. by their own, you know, by their own volition, the Spur- they'll the be Spurlock out there. Effect. The Spurlock effect. Mm-hmm. They'll be out there being asked to, uh, to put put that little bit of like dystopian game onto all the things that they're doing. These little like, oh well, if you're over here, I want you to, you know. But it's all going to be. They're all going to be. It's going to be collecting in their in their virtual reality account. Yes. Right. Their life account. Their credit card. It's going to be gonna somewhere be between like the Minority Report movie. And Facebook, right? So, like in Minority Report, which I think is a very good movie, there's a scene. I keep thinking about Minority Report, and I haven't seen it in a long time. It's but got a lot. It's a movie I think about fairly often. And there's one uh, one particular scene where Mission Impossible guy is, is walking around. I've memory serves. He's walking through. Uh, a public area. Oh, and the ads are talking. The to ads him. are talking to him specifically, addressing him. See, I think you combine something like that with obviously with a Facebook type thing. Sure. So they know lots of stuff about you, and they, now I realize I'm not being a true Spurlockian futurist because I, I haven't made the leaps that you're le- making. But I bet in the near term that's going to be the case. It's kind of the case right now, like yeah, where if you there's all these dingling apps where if you're not paying any attention and you should be paying attention, do you want to do location? Do you want to do notifications? Do you right. want to do Beep, 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 beep. And like a lot right. of times when you do that, even though it breaks the terms of service, it does lots of stuff 
to mm. push you things based on mm. where you are or what you haven't done for a while. O- it is o- doing that. Open your treasure chest from this <laughs> from this screaming <laughs> white face guy game that I was Allow, forced to play. Allows in-app purchases. Allows IAPs double click <laughs> to continue, and then you've agreed to the terms and service. And now that you, that's that's your gold coin for now. But you're saying this could be a Mario type situation. Well, the, the, what what uh, Minority Report? This is the great thing about the about science fiction, right? They get they get eighty percent of it, but they don't. They it's never really possible to see so clearly. Like it, when we were kids, we never would have imagined there wouldn't be a NASA now. Uh, think about how many of the science, the wonderful science fiction movies. I mean, setting aside the haha, I never got a jetpack stuff. But you think about how many science fiction movies will so. Uh, fancifully cover the idea of like even hyperspace travel mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a really obvious one but i think the one that everybody missed was communications yeah nobody and, thought and, of it an amazing thing that happened is communications there's so many movies from the 70s 80s 90s that fall apart if you have a wireless phone uh-huh it doesn't right. it's not, it's not a plot anymore <laughs> and and now and you the, can you can look up a word on your phone while you're at the cabin the the thing that that minority report didn't get was that VR was going to be personal individual. So that the that the plot point of that moment is he's walking through this mall and all the all the video ads are like, "Hello, protagonist, whose mm-hmm. name is ringing out as bad guy," mm-hmm. and he's like, "Oh no, people can hear my name," but it will that will all just be in your little heads up display. Yeah. All that personalization. <laughs> Fuck you, asshole. And collect the coin. <laughs> so, but but what's going to be fucked up about that? I think is that every person's this is this will this will be playing to the the I- intrinsic narcissism of modern people. Mm. Every person will be experiencing the world completely personalized, and it won't be very <gasps> long. It won't take very long for us to believe that the world actually does belong to oh us. Oh my god, each... you're blowing my mind. How different is it from going into one of those massively multiplayer massive games, and you get to pick what kind of cloak and sword, and are you this kind of elf or that kind of elf? Are you a high elf or, or a wood elf? Like, are you, you know what I mean? And so, yeah. like, and now maybe you see everybody else, you be, the world becomes your own little deviant art, where you start thinking, oh, you know, everybody should look like a monkey or something. Well, right? every single store, every single ad, every single thing. It would be crazy like, for everybody to Hello, experience. Hello, Merlin Man. How you would are never you, want Merlin everybody to experience the same Walmart. That doesn't even make any sense. You should have the <laughs> bespoke uh, AR Walmart. But, but like most people's minds are not – most people's minds are vulnerable enough or lazy enough, I guess, that they will not be – they will not be thinking to themselves, this is true for everyone – Mm-hmm. They're just going to be just bathing in the fact that they're hearing their name spoken over and over and over by everything. Yeah. And it's going to create, if we didn't think we already had a nation of monsters, it's going to, that is going to be a technology that divides us rather than unites us. Oh, you give me much to think about. I think you should be teaching in Hawaii. What about that? I'm teach- you know what? I'm teaching in virtual Hawaii. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. Put on I don't, your goggles. You know, here, here comes Professor John. I can understand. Right. <laughs> Put on your turn up your brass valves to <laughs> to, to PSI Roderick. <laughs> you think you'd be you would have like a steampunk virtual class? I we were we were trying to we'd we be were like trying at, a, to at a Jules Verne desk. It's like we doing, made out of recovered a, wood. We were doing a photo shoot the other day, uh uh Ken Jennings and I, and we were trying to communicate futurism. Mm. Uh, without without using steampunk 
Um, oh. Iconography. <laughs> That's a fine line to walk. And, and basically, yeah, because everybody wants to put on goggles. Yeah, we determined that it's, a, it's no not goggles. <laughs> you cannot communicate anymore the future without <laughs> without jewels burning it. <laughs> and so we're we're there, and it's just like no goggles. And then Ken just slowly starts putting these goggles on, and I'm like, no goggles. And the uh, goggles just go on. You did can't you have a lab not have coat. We weren't a lab coat. Absolutely, well, yeah, absolutely lab coats. Mm-hmm. Like what? What can you do? You can't fight it. You can I mean, be holding bloody baby dolls like the Beatles. <laughs> you could do like a right? yesterday and today. <laughs> or or again the the uh, the dance the dancing scenes from Buck Rogers the television show. Mm, that's uh, a warm fuzzy. I keep I keep wanting to I should go on YouTube. It's like uh, Adriano Goldschmied. Like mm-hmm. for years I've been saying I'm Isn't that on... funny? It's still it's still I'm going to jump ahead, but isn't that funny? It's still there are, I have an entire text file called mystery something that's called mystery memories and it's all things i remember that are very weird that i mean some of it's stuff as quotidian as like ancient chinese secret stuff mm-hmm. like that uh, i remember a hallucination chinese i had secret. one time uh, my grand hallucination oh uh it's kind of it's kind of obscure one time i was driving around went down Coleraine avenue with my grandmother and i thought a water tower looked like a baseball baseball mitt and, and i still think about it today sliced hmm. tomatoes so thin your mother-in-law will never come back Big race today he, at the putt putt speedway. He never has a second cup of my coffee. Uh huh. Ancient Chinese secret, huh? <laughs> I had a uh, I, I had a little text file on my phone. <laughs> Can I do I one more? Can I do one more? That, yeah. Go ahead. When they put out the bionic, <laughs> they put out the bionic woman doll. They put oh, out yeah. Steve Austin. They put out Oscar uh, Oscar Gold Goldschmidt. And there uh, was a there was like a little thumb button in the back, right? I think uh, so. But this yeah. I, all I know is that the song starts, Jamie Summers, <laughs> and I still hear it in my head today. <laughs> I, I, I have the a first text ATM, file. the first ATM in Cincinnati, all day, all night, Marianne. I still have that in my head. That was a commercial for yeah. the first ATM. Uh, or the, the ATM for one of the actually first made branded that ATMs. But my point to all of these is it's so of all of these, there are so many of these. So setting aside my hallucinations from when I was eight. There are so many things in here. I could go on YouTube and I could probably find it. It never occurs to me to go find the gravy train or Chuck Wagon ad. I should go no. find that. When remember when the little covered wagon, the Conestoga wagon goes under the rug and the dog's confused? That was the world that I wanted to live in. I, I wanted, wanted to, to live, live in, in the little world. mini Chuck Wagon world where the where where underneath the sink there was like a whole cowboy <sighs> universe. Why don't, like I, why don't I get that? Why do only people in commercials get that? Well, and the thing is that the only person that ever saw that was the dog. I know. Oh, isn't that tragic? Right? Yeah. Sorry, I, t- you, I took you off that. But but like, so you could go, oh, here's Cash Hamburger. Cash is Big Bargain Barn. <laughs> South Lebanon, Ohio. <laughs> follow the cars, follow the signs. The Cash is Big Bargain Barn in South Lebanon, Ohio. <laughs> anyway. You there? Uh, yeah, I. Jesus I, Christ! I, I'm sorry. I thought I thought I finally uh, ended the podcast. <laughs> uh, I definitely have a, a text file of like weird memories that aren't related to commercials, but like those memories where you think, uh, "I've got to write this down because yeah. this is such a powerful." Every time you think it, it's emotional more, memory. Every time you th- re-experience it, it gets more faded. But, or, but, or more edited, like you've got to like capture the pure memory when it comes to you. When when I read them now, even the ones that I wrote fairly recently, like in the last couple of years, like oh shit, I've got to put this down. I read it now, and it just doesn't. I didn't 
write it well enough or something and it just and the and the memory is kind of lost by trying to capture it the 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 sense impression it's like trying to remember a dream like it's like sand through your fingers the harder you try the faster it goes away yeah don't you think kind of well because they're because they're all those there's there's all those feelings like oh i remember the feeling of sitting in a booth and my mom said maybe and i thought that meant that yes and you're just like what i I, but then you might start making it too specific and you go okay do i really remember those being those red plastic cups that they had a pizza hut did pizza hut even have booths and you find yourself going wait a minute you start fact checking yourself and pretty soon you're crushing the bunny yeah you don't want to crush the bunny Mm. uh yeah i I have a couple of those memories, right? The time that I lost my horse wallet in the water. Oh, God, yes. There was a very specific memory I have in in Hawaii. Uh, When I was a kid, I was with my dad. We were driving, and this was back when Maui didn't, most of Maui didn't have paved roads. It was all dirt roads. And we were at some little store, and they had a rack of comic books, which I'd been, you know, there hadn't been comic books anywhere I'd gone in Hawaii. It was like, Oh my God, I found comic books. And I said, dad, can I have, um, can I have a a comic? And he said, you can have a couple comics. And I brought three up to the cash register. Have I told you this? No, keep going. I brought three. And my dad said, I said, you could have a couple. And I said, three is a couple. And dad said, three is a few. Uh, I had that up until junior high. I thought a couple meant like a handful. Yeah, a couple. I think a handful is five. A couple is two. A few is two to four. Yeah, a few is two to four. But I didn't realize a couple always meant two. I didn't realize that until like junior high. Well, I still don't believe it. No. But but at that point, my dad said, you can't, you know, you can have zero. Uh, Because I said you could could have a couple and you brought up a few, so now you get zero. Oh, shit, dog. That is harsh. Well, that's why I remember this. Was I mean, it a DC I remember. Comic? Was it, it was probably Superman. No, no, no. I don't. I don't. I oh, never read comics. DC comics. Probably Harvey Comics. Yeah, it was a Harvey comic. Okay. Uh, but I, I, I remember the store. I remember the light in of the day. I <sighs> remember the dirt of the road and the little town that we were in, and the whole experience of being on this long car ride with him in Hawaii. Oh my god! Because it was just solidified in this moment of like I had three comic books in my hand I was at the cash register and those comic books went away because I didn't I did not parse the difference between a couple and a few I remember I I did not buy a lot of comic books we didn't have a lot of dough for that kind of thing but I feel like this might have been when my dad was alive it was definitely when we were still at our the house where he had lived but so I might have been eight maybe nine and I had some kind of a DC comic I had picked up you know, 25 cents, 35 cents. Uh, and I'm, it had hippies in it. And I uh-huh. think I, I've tried to find this over the years. I feel like it might have been a Superman or probably a Batman or maybe like a Justice, not Justice League, whatever it was called, whatever the Super Friends were. Uh, Super Friends, I guess. Oh, but, Super Friends. Yeah. But I, my mom, I remember feeling very ashamed that my mom took it away from me. Because she thought it was objectionable. I think she thought it had like drug things. And I remember she put it on top of the dresser. And I, at one time, I, I snuck into her room and got one last look at the Forbidden comic. And then I never saw it again. The Forbidden comic where hippies appeared. Hippies. And, and were the hippies like bad? Because there were a lot of comic I, books I where like the hippies were like Now we're getting bad. into a Pizza Hut Tumblr type situation. Because I feel like I remember it having, like I was probably titillated I'm going to guess by like girls in lavender mini dresses because mm-hmm. I was a big fan of Mod Squad and I had a huge crush on Julie. She was one of my first crush crushes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you get uh, Peggy Lipton, right? 
So like, mm-hmm. and, you know, her daughter was on the Parks and Rec. It's crazy stuff. I don't know who Peggy Lipton. Peggy is. Lipton was on the Mod Squad. I don't. We didn't get the Mod Squad. Okay. Uh, was and, that but, a good show? Was it like um, mm, Untouchables or something? It was one of those like TV is trying to get cool in the late sixties shows. But so were the Mod they, Squad did, were, were police officers. Oh. Yes, and it was it was uh, it was the main guy, the black guy, and the pretty girl. And and the three of them were the mod squad, and they would solve crimes by doing undercover things. You know, so it was like Twenty One Jump Street. Yeah, I guess so. I reckon it yeah. was. I reckon, yeah. But I think it also. I feel like in my head, and this again, this could be a Pizza Hut tumbler situation because I very mm-hmm. clearly remember those red tumblers of Pizza Hut. And also, I think it had like guys with uh, Roger McGuinn glasses and like Indian headbands. Oh, sure, of course, of course. You know the, what I'm saying? Uh, you know, well, you know the look. Like, like Twenty One Jump Jack. Street was exactly like that. They they wanted to do stories about gangs, but they couldn't. They couldn't use uh, actual red or blue oh. colors, and so like their gang the, colors the, were always the, the drips, yellow and the drips orange and the cruds. Yeah, right. The <laughs> the lemon drops and the and you're just like no doing their lemon drop. Walk. <laughs> Sorry, buddies. <laughs> <laughs> Tell it to the judge. <laughs> I'm Jump Street, and, it, and even in Twenty One Jump Street, I think they were wearing Roger McGinn glasses. Like, what's up? You want some? You want Groovy. some squeak, man? You want to buy some squeak? Squeak's not a thing, dude. Yeah, you should try this new drug. It's called Pistol Whip. The kids are doing it. Uh, and uh, yeah, so anyway, that's I, I got you away from your pants, Adriano Goldschmidt. You know, what I'm telling you, I'm here to tell you, like Peter Schaefer says in, in the play Equus, moments snap together like magnets. There's no way to have any. You don't get much control over what decides to stick around, how you remember it, whether you remember it. And having just watched Coco yesterday, which is a very, very good movie. Uh, now, of course, I'm thinking a lot about memory. Is Coco the movie about a about a uh, an ape? I uh, loved this movie so much. I don't want to say too much. I will just say it's a, it's a very good Pixar movie. That um, has a lot is based around the Day of the Dead and a Mexican family oh. on Day of the Dead, and it's it's really really good. And but there I is a gorilla cried named and cried Coco. and cried. Oh yeah, I love that gorilla. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Coco. Coco learned Coco. like a hundred different sign languages. Different. Yeah, Coco. we're talking about different Coco. Different Coco. Yeah. Coco. Remember Coco like... got the kitten, and then, and sure, then the kitten Coco's died. Coco's kitten. Coco's kitten. It was te- it was terrible watching. Co- I mean, it was wonderful. It was beautiful you to see, watch Coco, Coco signing to the kitten. This meet Coco's new kittens. I got to stop the show. Is Coco alive still? Uh, I think Coco. I don't know. Is it going to be a Roseanne situation? Did they replace the Coco? It looks to me, according to the Internet Science site, it looks like Coco's still alive. You know, Coco, I mean, Gorilla's still alive. Coco's 46 years old, dude. And she's still out there talking to kittens, and we don't. We don't have like a live feed of this? this. I mean, I, God bless the hippo at the Cincinnati Zoo. It's a really cute hippo. God bless all my cute animal sets. Why are we just not getting 24 7 Coco? Well, yeah. Why doesn't Coco why, have Why aren't like 50 Cocos? Why don't we have a Coco in every community that people could just go interact with? I think it's got to be pretty labor intensive to teach a uh, a, a gorilla how to sign, mm-hmm. but I also think why are we not doing that? I mean, we're spending we're spending tons and tons of money building the F thirty five, and that has Sing a lot it, sister. less. It's a lot less useful than being able to sign with apes. Did I tell you I, I got scammed by Cheetah's owner? Say say what? Okay, so you remember Tarzan movies? Yes. Okay, I'm pretty sure I got scammed. Because here's the thing. There's this guy. i got to look this up. See, this is another thing I haven't even bothered to look up. But uh, Cheetah, yes. uh, the original Cheetah from the Tarzan movies, was like basically in this, you know, uh, not a hospice, but like a retirement, like a, like a, like a, a monkey retirement home. Mm-hmm. Chimp, chimp, monkeys aren't 
chimps aren't monkeys. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you know what I'm saying here. Yeah, don't uh, don't write us. I know. Don't don't, don't add us. No, no, no. <laughs> but basically, this guy took care of Cheetah, and the idea was we're going to cover Cheetah's expenses. Oh, by the way, I didn't mention Cheetah reportedly loves to paint. Cheetah, okay. Cheetah the All chimp. Right. And Cheetah would make these paintings, and this fella, you could buy an original chi- Cheetah canvas, and then uh-huh. that money was used to support to help Cheetah. cheetah. Uh, I, I still have it. in my house one of these that I bought. And I remember from the moment I got it, I thought, huh, I'm not, a, I'm not a, an artist or an art critic, but looking at this, this does not look like, knowing a little bit that I know about people and children in particular and some animals, if you give an animal paint... What they make will not look anything like what you would expect. I imagine it's going to be like there's going to be big splotches in this area and nothing over here. This is a very uniform, like, strokes of purple and kind of complementary colors. And I was like, this, I don't know about this. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it's a jam up. I'm pretty sure the dude painted it. I feel like if you went online and said cheetah painting... See, now i got to look. I bet you there's a video of cheetah actually painting paintings, and you can, you can go and verify this. Cheetah, no H. Because I, I, I actually... There's a, place, uh, there's a place where elephants are given paintbrushes and, and canvases. Okay. And, um, and it's a similar type of thing. They sell the paintings in order to uh, raise money for the elephants. Yeah. And put, I put, went put on... I, well, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, the idea being that an elephant has all this depth mm-hmm. and sensitivity, and if you get if you teach them to paint, they can. I mean, it really helps them emotionally. Oh, that's okay. All right, that's, so, that's super interesting to me. I have watched hours and hours of video. Well, maybe not hours, well, but let's say I've watched a lot of video one. of uh, elephants painting. Okay, and they seem to really, really do it enthusiastically and and you do really feel like they get the idea they understand that they're making art and i i was on the very very edge of buying a giant elephant artwork several times (laughs) and the thing was they they put them up at each individual piece and i went through them many times like which one of these you know i would narrow it down to a couple and then i i never pulled the trigger because i Honestly, I felt like the elephant had yet to do its best work. Oh, okay. It's still a young artist. I was waiting for them to mature. I was waiting mm. for their paintings to mature. And so that, I mean, because they, the painting spoke to me, but there was just, there was this feeling of like nascent talent that was like, it just needed a little bit more time with paint, a little bit more time but with the But it wasn't brushes. like wackadoo enough to feel like naive art. Like your friend, your friend, the art collecting drummer. Now, does he have anything that's been painted by animals? Uh, no, I, the, he does not. Doesn't he like he like he likes folky naive art? Isn't that his thing? Mm, no, not not quite not quite all the way to that. Um, he likes, uh, but it's all his, his art is mostly figurative. It's not just like splattered paint on a canvas. Sure. It's usually like a painting of a thing. Um, no, my friend Ramy Egan, who lives with you in San Francisco, California, he does. Uh, he does. <laughs> he news lives, to me. <laughs> he lives down uh, behind your furnace. Oh, hey, buddy. <laughs> no, he lives over uh, over by the park. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, mm-hmm. and he—that's that, not the guy I insulted when I was drunk that time. No, no, okay, no, totally. Right, good, 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 good. I feel bad no, about no, that. No, 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 no. You don't feel bad about no, that. That was not wonderful. Really. That was true. <laughs> that was that was a total John Gerald moment. Everyone, <laughs> everyone around was like, "Oh, wow, wow! This is a really expensive bathroom." <laughs> <laughs> one day I will be as absolutely unfiltered as Merlin Mann in this moment. 
So you must really you, take you, advantage of your clients to be able to afford this house. I feel like, unless I'm forgetting for alcohol reasons, I don't think you've seen me like not being quite myself. Maybe I was too much myself that night. There was a, you know, there was a while there I think where there was you were... also some herbs involved that night, and that yeah. might have been yeah. part of it. You were tying it on sometimes. I and was. We were, were there tying... with your rock and roll buddy, and we were having a. This was after MC Hammer's birthday party, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, same night. After you spit on the streetcar, and then we went to this guy's massive, massive house where he lived alone. <laughs> and, the, and the streetcar. Uh, I, I, I and the streetcar street talked you on Twitter. Yeah, the streetcar Twitter account said, "Hey, don't spit on me," and I was like, "Oh, I'm so embarrassed." I'm uh, that so night still, that night still has an impact. I, we watched Elf last night, and I, I officially, as of last night, I'm giving up on trying to help my daughter remember this. I was like, "Hey, hey, remember that time that guy came over in the windbreaker that morning? Remember that tall guy with the dark hair? He he used to be married to to that elf girl." Mm. And she's like, "I don't, I, I don't understand any of the words that you just said." I was like, no, she's she's not usually blonde, but they used to be married, and she was a singer with M. Ward, and she's like, why are yeah. you still talking? Let's just watch yeah. the movie. What, yeah. who, do you, who are you impressing with this? I don't care, It's Dad. like me showing her the email the time I emailed Bill Hader, like I'm supposed to really impress her or something. Yeah, yep, yep. The kids don't care. They don't know they don't care, although... He was, I am... he was nice. He was a gentleman. He came over to the house. I was like, hey, what's this guy doing in my house? Look at this guy. Yeah, he's a gentleman. He's a gentleman. I'm friends with Casper Baby Pants. Yes. And being friends with Casper Big Baby fan. Pants within the kid universe. Yeah. He, he draws does, a lot of water in that seaside town. He does. And it, and it, and it is, uh, I mean, all of the other things that I can talk about. about, uh, about he, he used to listen to our program. A timer, he used to listen to our does. show. Yeah, he still does. He's a nice man. He's a nice man. I mean, he's got a lot going on. But I, but kids, I, are, I, kids are tough, man. Kids, still, kids are a handful. They say never work with, with children or animals is what they say. You know, he, Casper uh, Baby Pants, uh, he, uh, he raised his son to our program and daughter. He wrote I us think a he... really, really, really nice email that kind of made my month. He's nice. I think about him all the time because... Um, what about the uh, guy I insulted? Well, the guy where I told him his bathroom was too expensive for living alone. W- w- was that... He didn't listen to our show, does he? No. Okay. <clears throat> no, 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 no. Right. no. He doesn't. No. He, um, but he's, uh, you know, he's just sitting on a big, big, big pile of money. He's like Absalom the Caterpillar. <laughs> he's he's uh, flying around the room over Sting. <laughs> no, he's not strictly Harkonnen. But there um, are people periodically that, that uh, will come through town or that I'll talk to who are like, I oh, remember that night in San Francisco with, uh, that we spent with Merlin Mann? Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, sure. And, and, uh, and then they'll tell a story about how you got rowdy. I got a little uh, and took a took a subway sandwich and stuck it into. Now that the, was a different the, night. The bellhop's that, ear, or whatever. No, I ate two subway sandwiches over a sewer with Paul and Storm, and yeah. I think that's you know that's been pretty well documented. Yeah, I have yeah, a photo. I have a photo of John, Jonathan Colton sta- standing in a subway at like two in the morning, looking with his eyes closed. His eyes are always closed in photos. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, I think his eyes are always closed. He, do you think he's a? Do you think he's a? Do you think he's a Dracula? He puts his. He puts like a little uh, hologram of a of an eyeball in front of his <laughs> eyelid by using psionics. If there's anybody who could benefit from the AR economy that is coming down the road, it is your friend Jonathan Colton. It's true. Although I had an interesting conversation the other day. This is. This may be. This may be a thought technology that you do not want, or our listeners do not want. Um, but I had a conversation with a with a good friend who is a friend of yours and a friend of the program and a friend of our universe who said, I feel like the up and coming, the next gen, the kids who are like walking into the world right now, uh, they do not have any loyalty to nerd. And so this thing uh, huh. that, 
this thing that we have been living in the last 10 years Mm -hmm. is like so many other things in our lives, a thing where as we're in it, we're thinking this is the future forever. Oh, sort of like the Obama years. Like it felt like that was going to take. Yeah. Or like we've talked about before, all through the 90s, I was thinking that the that the information that I was uh, that I was really honing the skills that I was honing to be able to tell a 1954 Fender Telecaster from a oh, 1955 right, 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 Telecaster right. <clears throat> became useless to me. I mean, useless, less than useless. It went from it went from being fairly useful as an obscure thing not many people knew to like being like tears and rain. Yeah, well, it, be, it was not not just obscure. I mean, it was a way you could make a living. You could be a person who sat behind a desk and somebody came you in and said, say, this you, is a, You'd be able to go like, oh, this is not an original truss rod or sure, something. Sure, they'd that's, say, that's here, I want to sell my 54 pants. Telecaster, and you're like, sorry, mm-hmm. buddy, that's, those aren't the real tuning pegs. Uh, now who cares? And so all of this investment that a lot of us have put into, and, and all of the rewards we've reaped, but the investment into this idea of, like, nerd culture. Yeah. Um, the... The supposition is that's all going away. And when it goes away, it's not one of these things that's going to go away gently over eight years. It's a thing that's going to go away pretty fast because it's going to become, and I think it maybe already is true, that it's it's already transitioning to nostalgia culture. Like, oh, remember, so, well, so well put. I've been thinking about that so much. Remember 2007 or 2008 when nerd was new? Or remember 2011 when we first, like... Do you remember like, when the first Iron Man movie came out and people were like, oh my God, he's not... He's fairly ab- obscure as these kinds of things go, and it's Robert Downey Jr., and it's good, and like for the first time, like a superhero movie made since Superman could be good. Like, what is happening? Yeah, and I think I think the idea now is that uh, that young people coming up are like what they're i mean nerd has become a meaningless phrase right it's everybody is one yeah you just walk uh, by hot topic and it's just like wow that's stuff i could never have imagined just special edition doctor who funko dolls and stuff I'm like what is happening <laughs> and it's complete it's so completely universal that the idea of for instance going on a nerd cruise or yeah. or being a nerd artist or something it just is not meaningful to somebody that's under the age of 25 so taken to it it's extreme that's somebody like a jonathan colton probably like maybe they might be giants mc front a lot right MC front lot in particular or maybe weird owl like these people who were like part of their bona fides were like they are very talented at doing something that feels like a, a little bit of an outsider thing for weirdos but i feel like the talent will always win out right they might mm-hmm. be giants have never I mean, they might be giants have definitely not, um, they haven't like suffered during the nerd years, but also <laughs> they are great, right? So they're, also they're they figured all, out how to diversify their income stream, which I think is pretty amazing. Yeah, they sell a, literally a ton of t shirts, hmm. but um, like literally one ton of t shirts. <laughs> dong, uh, dong, dong. <laughs> but like that music will always appeal to people not necessarily through them reflecting on their own identity as a nerd, mm-hmm. right? And that's true of Jonathan Colton, too. But there are an awful, awful, awful lot of people out there whose whole business and their whole thing is just like, nerd! I'm a nerd! This is nerd! You know, the mm-hmm. t-shirt actually says, like, nerd! Exclamation point. <laughs> and, uh, and that is going to be 
that's all nostalgia now, even already. Yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, I, you think about, look at how many movies slated for, and this is the result of many, many market conditions that are too complicated to get into here, but you look at the number of movies coming out in 2018 that are either sequels, part of a franchise, or like repurposed from something like a, like a, I mean, they've made movies from books for a very long time, but right. like for so many things to be part of a franchise, it's, 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 it would be, and then to say that like these 35 superhero movies, like all oh, the nerds have won. Right. <laughs> right. But and we now like, we get $300,000 movies that are way too dark getting made. Yay. I can barely but, see anything. Nerds. I'm a nerd. The, the thing about the nerds winning is what we what we don't remember is all the times in the past where X has won and then that's just mainstream culture now and we never think about it again. Right? Like That's that's how the hegemony works. It is. Yep. And so so as nerd passes, like what's next? I don't know. When I was on the when I was on this submarine the other day, um I was talking to the captain and he was saying, I can't use sports metaphors. There none none of the crew like I have 300 people on this boat and not a single one of them understands what I mean when I say let's take this let's let's gain some yards on this. Let's take this let's take this project and go in for a touchdown. I just get blank looks. And he says, you know, and this guy's <laughs> he has to say let's collect the infinity gems. <laughs> he's yeah, he's he's 41 or whatever and he's a he's a commander of a submarine. He's like they're all gamers and I have no idea what what they are what it motivates them because Sports metaphors just go right over their head, and and that is a thing. That's a language gulf that will that exists now, and it's like not just a language gulf, but like a like a comprehension gulf. I have never played a game like that. There are lots and lots of people now who are making a pretty good living just being professional gamers, where they just play games and other people watch them. And I'll never be in that. I'll never. I mean, you know, I've made it this far. I can. I made it all the way to uh, doing stuff in, uh, on apps mm-hmm. and and knowing enough to to disable in-app purchases. But you're also at a point in life where you get to begin your sentences with dependent clauses, like the other day when I was on a submarine. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> but, <laughs> yes, I'm but, gonna let that one just go by. <laughs> but as far as me being like like uh, ground zero in oh, popular yeah. culture, I, right? I totally missed the window. I'm I like, missed the check window. Check out never... my new song. It's about. Uh, you know, leveling, uh, leveling up, nerd. Yeah. I was at a store yesterday, and some music came on the internet o- overhead, internet overhead, which I guess used to be called Muzak. Yeah. Oh, uh, the internet, the stereo. I, I, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, over, overhead mm-hmm. internet speaker. They call it speaker content now. <laughs> speaker content, <laughs> and uh, I was like, I've heard this song before. I've heard it enough now. Um, and it feels like, is this a song that was really popular nine months ago and I missed it mm-hmm. or two years ago and I missed it because this is a really good song. How did I miss this going by? So I, so I shazammed it. Mm-hmm. Um, Shazam's gotten very fast. Shazam TM. It's gotten really fast. And, and it's gotten... uh, Sound, Soundhound, they are just crazy fast now. I don't know what they've done to tweak that, but if it's a song that you're pretty sure it should know, it'll know it in seconds now. And it's gotten really good at at doing it in a noisy restaurant or in a room where there was a lot of ambient noise. Where that's it magic used to, to me, just be John. I, I don't want to let it that go. That's too. magic to me that that works it is at to all. Me too. Oh, God. And that's an app where it's like, you know, I have all those apps where you point your phone up at the stars and it tells you about the constellations. I used it last night to find the supermoon. 
And those are those are wonderful. Mm-hmm. But in terms of being able to be in a store and go, what's this song? And hold your phone up and it tells you. Oh, mm-hmm. I still am amazed by that. It's almost, always, that it's almost always pink. Do you remember that time when you and I were in your living room and you had me sing my own song into the phone? Oh, to see I have a video of that. Re- There's a video of that. It? Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were like, from Romania, maybe? Yeah, it was just like, is that Tom That's Jones? still live? on the flicker, I think, yeah. Uh, but but so I hold my phone up and it tells me that this song is effectively brand new uh, this fall. It's number one on the charts and it's by Portugal the Man, who are A, hmm. friends of mine, and B, from Alaska. Portugal the Man. And it's this song where it, it basically sounds like a CeeLo Green song. It doesn't sound... It, it It's such a, a hooky hook. And it doesn't feel like indie rock necessarily. It mm-hmm. feels like this other thing. Uh, this kind of thing that could be like a Andre 3000 song off of an Outcast record. Mm-hmm. Uh, the song is two minutes and 40 seconds long. I mean, genius length where it, c- it comes to the end and you're like, wait, wait, is that all? Play it again, play it again. And so I texted a friend of mine like, oh, man. Portugal the Man has got a, a legit hit. Portugal the Man. And the friend of mine was like, I'm playing in the in that band now. I've been in Portugal the Man since 2015, and <laughs> you didn't even know it. And I was like, what? And mm. then he sent me a picture of himself on an airplane wearing a hat that said Alaska. And he's like, we're on tour right now. We're flying out to what? S- somewhere, Stan. And those guys are from Alaska, right? We're all from, they're Ugh. from Matanuska Valley. I just found out my, my, my niece is going out with a guy whose who's podcast is more popular than mine. Oh, yeah. so infuriating. I mean, I, I wasn't familiar with it, but I, I see, I realize now this guy whose name I keep seeing turning up in various places. Can you imagine how that feels to me? Is it Travis McElroy? <clears throat> I couldn't say. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, but anyway, Portugal yeah. the Man, this tune that they're doing, they're mm. younger than me. Portugal the they're, Man. Portugal the, ba- Portugal the Man is the name of the band? That's the name of the band. And okay. they did that thing with the um, where they did like bad punctuation. It's Portugal period the period man. What? Portugal, Portugal the period man. They put like extra punctuation oh, in no, there that no, just no, makes no. you want to die. God, Godspeed Black Emperor gets a pass on that, but everybody else needs to quit doing that. Just stop. Well, it's, t- it's too late. They've been doing it for like nine years. So, so it- Portugal the Anyway, they are man. Portugal the man. Mm. They are, um, they're not. Like young, they've been in, they've been a band for ten years, but they're still in their I think early thirties, and this tune and the whole vibe of it. Portugal the man, um, like he's wearing a mustache, and it's like post ironic mustache into oh, like normcore mustache, hmm. and the whole thing just feels like musically I'm super into it, hmm. but culturally, it's just a little bit out of my reach. Like I can't quite. Even though they're only yeah. they're thirty five, they're not even F- young. People. Music, facial hair, music has changed a lot in in your forties. Uh, I mean, it used to be the only people who looked like you were what? Uh, who's that band I like? Uh, granddaddy. Like you, you meet a granddad, a granddaddy would look like you. You get Built an iron and wine that yep. looks like you. Maybe a Dave Bazan, but like you did not see that many beardy people, and now it's just all beards like, <laughs> and whistles and you. Oh, hey, speaking of which, did yeah. you know that Pedro the Lion's getting back together? I did. I heard that. Yeah, and they're going I on tour. I heard that. I follow yeah. him on Twitter. He's a good man. Uh, yeah, he's, he's good. He's good. <laughs> and he and, and it's going to be the next few years all about Pedro the Lion. All the way to Grandma's home. Because, you know, they're young enough that they could get into this portion of the man. I wouldn't call Dave young. Well, he's younger than me. Is he? Everybody's he's younger than me. He's an old soul. 
That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. A lot of people get old young. Mm. Portugal, the man. Portugal, period. The man, no period. Portugal, period. The man, no period. No period, right. And then God speeds yeah. you, Black Emperor. They, I, I believe it is God speeds you, exclamation point, Black Emperor. I uh-huh. believe that's right. I'll have to look well, it up. Well, there's ellipses and you'll know us by the trail of death. That's true. We will. That's right. Uh-huh. And there's that other band. There's that Friday Night Light Friday Night Lights band that's like the MTV version of Godspeed You Black Emperor. What are they called? What's that band called? The Friday Night Lights. Friday uh, Night uh. Lights. Oh, come on. It's that one band. That's we, a show about a football, right? Yes. Uh, the true true high true eyes, big hearts. We're not gonna lose. True eyes, big hearts. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, what's the name uh, of there was a long band. winter song used on Friday Explosions Night in the Sky. Oh, Explosions in the Sky. Do they have weird punctuation? No, I, 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 I like their music fine, but they remind me of like a little bit of like, they are the cold play to Godspeed You Black Emperor's Radiohead. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I have not spent enough time uh, uh, in the canon of all of that oh, to really... Boy. Is it all? Isn't that all like Mogwai derived? No. no. Oh, okay. No, all right. Sorry. No, sorry. I do sorry. not. No. See, I feel like <laughs> didn't mean to step on your shoelaces. No. No. It just it concerns me because yeah. there was a point, probably in the year that it didn't exist. There's this point. Some point. Nineteen ninety-seven. Nineteen ninety-seven. Some point in the in the mid to late nineties, it suddenly became clear that I was supposed to really like a band called Tortoise. I was supposed to really like. Uh, they all had names that sound like like Mexican cactus cactuses or something. Like there's right. all these bands, you say, and I would just be like, I don't get. I I'm, this feels it feels like a jam up. I get it. It's slow and there's a vibraphone. What is happening now? Godspeed you, Black mm-hmm. Emperor. You could call them a post rock band. You could, but mm-hmm. like they're they're doing a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. They're doing, and what like, is that thing? Um, I mean, I have their songs on my phone, and it, it's. Uh, I, I, but I don't. I've never understood what post rock is. I, I don't either. I don't either. It's it all involves that one guy. What's his name? John McEnroe. There's that one guy that's in all those bands. I think his name's John McEnroe. John McEnroe was one yeah. of the greatest. <laughs> one of the greatest vibraphonists of the year that didn't Wasn't exist. Wasn't he married to Brooke Shields? He was. No, he's married to. Uh, you're thinking of uh, Paper Paper Chase. What's the movie with Ryan Paper O'Neill? Chase? John Hausman. Uh, John Hausman. Totally look to your left. Look to Brooke your right. Shields? No, no. I got, all I got is this twenty dollar bill. Paper Moon. He was married paper, to Paper. Maybe, he was married moon. to Paper Moon. He was married Isn't to Paper Moon. One of those long pillows with a with a, like a no, an anime you're thinking character of that, on it that Neil Young hug? that Neil Young album that's only available yeah. streaming on that orange box down on Paper Moon. No, Tatum O'Neill. Tatum O'Neill was married Tatum. to the guy from Tortoise. I'm pretty sure. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> what are those pillows that that uh, like uh, that are waifus? Uh huh. Oh, is this, oh, is this you where you get mean? like a spiky blue haired girl you sleep with pillow? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like. <laughs> Pillow, but easy text. Hey, good night, everybody. Happy holidays. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Should should I bleep it? What happened? Oh, yeah, you probably should. (laughs) God.